This is Coda Radio, episode 218 for August 15th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Oh, me? <laughs> My name is Chris, and join us for some reason, outrageously promptly, every single week. Why, yes, folks, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Yeah, hello. Hello. This Code Radio is brought to you by Heineken. It's <laughs> good. Oh, good. It's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's a very special episode. Man, I it's good. You know, we're kind of we're kind of in a in a bit of a frenzy today because uh, we had a great guest on last week's show, and then yeah, this week uh, he's no longer working for the company. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I was on Code Radio. Fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> I peaked. <laughs> for me. Sorry. I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Well, I've peaked. There's nothing there's nothing left. Something like that. Uh uh oh, so, I don't I don't think that's quite it. But. No. No. In fact, why don't we why don't we tease that? Uh we'll talk we're going to be talking a little bit about that just briefly today and then of course there is some interesting hoopla going around and we're also yes. going to talk about Mr. Dominic's productivity vampire and uh an upcoming event he'll be attending. But you know, Mike, what we should really do right off the top. Uh oh. Are, are we in a 70s porno? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going to pivot. No, it's the Coda oh, Radio. Wow. <laughs> the, kind of pivot. Yeah. Now, this will be our best rated show if we go down that road. This is going to be the 217 Coda Radio Challenge follow up because this is actually a two week challenge. Yes. And uh, ironically, it's in honor of our guest, Ryan Sipes, CT- former CTO of Minecraft. Uh, we want to make a bot using any tech from Minecraft at AI. I saw DMP1CE uh, submitted uh, a really great one already, a Bitcoin price skill. What a, what a, that's, I love that one. I just, yes. hey, Minecraft, what's the Bitcoin price? That Bitcoin price is $567 right now. See, I, I still think Minecraft sounds like the guy who plays Minecraft on Sherlock. No, you know who... Like it, I know who. I'll tell you. I secretly who? use Arch Linux. Mycroft. Uh, is that him? It's that's Popey. That's Popey uh, from Linux Unplugged, Ubuntu Podcast. He works at Canonical. Wait, that's his voice. Yeah. Yeah. He he sat down and did a whole uh, batch of reading for the voice recognition. And this is actually an early prototype. Wait, 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 wait. I secretly are, are use are you saying I've paid $160 for Popey in my bedroom? Is that what you're telling me? I never thought about I never thought about the fact that if I put this thing in my bedroom, you will have taken Popey to bed. Oh no, this changes everything. <laughs> mm, I I know exactly what kind of skill I'm writing now. Oh, I got to think about this because this I this is uh this is going to be sort of creepy in a weird way. I mean, I like Popey and all that, but uh Yikes. Yeah, and that version oh. I have there is an early version of it, too. It's like they've actually refined it a bit more, so it sounds oh, even better now. I bet they have. Yeah. Hmm. Does anybody have a – if anybody has a link in the chat room to it, I, I think there's a better voice sample out there of the, of the uh, synthesized uh, Mycroft speech. If you have a link in the chat room, I'd play it for a sec. But, uh, yeah, so uh, hats off to Ryan. I hope he's on to bigger and better things. I think probably whatever he moves on to, there will be interest and people will follow it. 
So, are you familiar with the old uh, cowboy movie Shane? Oh, maybe it's ringing bells, but not clearly. Oh, Chris, how, come on, the, the cowboy Shane. He, he rides off into the sunset at the end. The yeah. little kid's like, "Shane, come back, Shane." I'm, I'm, I'm gonna Google. I'm gonna Googs right now. Shane, cowboy, You're killing me. There is a YouTube click that that you could totally play and then have this DMCA takedown. Shane, come back. Shane, come back. Oh, I see. Dad, Papa's got work for you. There you go. There's the boy. Joey, there's no living with with a killing. There's no going back from one. There's no way I can play that and it's not getting taken down. There's yeah, no way. You can't, you've done enough. You can't go yeah. any further. But the whole point, in fact, that's the worst part of that clip you could have played. Really? Well, it's the but, beginning. It's the beginning of the clip. Should right. I, I could jump ahead and play like another but, few no, seconds. No, basically, like Shane chucks deuces and they're all like, Shane, come back. And he's like, no, I'm out. Very, very much like Ryan Sipes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Bye, little Joe. This is so getting us pulled down. Yeah. Okay, hold on, hold on. Now go. Never even to clear the holster, Woody Shane. (laughs) We're never going to get there. That's great, though. I get you. Never going to get there. But that was pretty cute, right? They're never going to clear the holster, would they, Shane? Yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. Oh, that's an interesting, hmm, nice analogy. Well, yeah. uh, I, I invited Ryan to come on to Linux Unplugged next uh, Tuesday to give him time to you know process everything. So I don't know if he'll be able to make it, but I think he's will. Uh, and uh, I, I'm willing to bet that you know there's probably more to the story than we know, but it's not really any of our business. And I think now it's just sort of probably a will. I, I think you just kind of accept that these kinds of transitions happen. Things happen. It's all good, right? It's I probably mean, not the Coda Radio curse. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Full disclaimer to future guests, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of our past guests, and I can only think of one who didn't sort of get screwed after going on the show. <laughs> now, hey, we don't have a lot of okay. guests. Now, hold on. Hold on. To be fair, to be totally fair, and this might be the one you're thinking of, we had the Docker guys on like a year before they got super successful. That's true. I forgot that we had them on. Yeah. It was that long ago. So, yeah. but to be fair, though, I mean, that's got to give us some sort of good interview karma right there. Well, and the coach. Guys, all right, all right. So, so yeah, code ship, sure. Yeah. So, right. so we, right. we either give you we either give you the Coda Radio bump, uh, and, and and it can be, or we give you the Coda Radio October surprise. I just don't know which one it's going to be. Well, and we don't know. I mean, to be fair, no, I'm totally let's kidding. Let's not imply that Ryan got let go, right? No. Who knows? He, no, actually, that is like not that is not my sense of the situation. Right, that's not my sense either. I read his post very orderly, and he says he's going to contribute to the GPL code base. So, really, no material change for people interested in Mycroft. Yeah, in fact, um, I'm reading it here. It says uh, some may be worried about the future, what the future yeah. holds for Mycroft, as many uh, tell me they consider me to be the face of the project. However, the project is licensed under the GPL version three and will continue regardless of the direction of Mycroft, the company. Additionally, the company will continue to receive leadership from CEO Joshua Montgomery. Who is the majority owner? What's that? Nothing. Keep going. Uh, I thought that was a very. I think there's actually, you know, uh, sometimes when people write these kind of posts, they try to communicate as much as they can uh, without having to be overt and out of order. And so I think, you know, there's potentially some some messaging there. The company will continue to receive leadership from the CEO. There's a separation between the open source project and the company. Yeah, and and a very and a very formal uh, declaration of Joshua and his position. When my understanding is they've been longtime friends and they started the they started the, the this right. effort together. Uh, I said I'd like to clarify that my work with open source projects is far from over. I have identified some projects to which I plan to lend my time. I will be working to promote these projects and helping build vibrant communities around them, which I I think you probably very likely will. Hmm. What? Oh, 
Speaking of open source projects, can I take us on the tangent? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am ready. So the Coda Radio open source Katy Perry player on GitHub. Sure, of course. I am proud to say has had its first patch. <laughs> okay, good. Good. What what was that patch? Please go ahead and uh I forgot the GitHub link, but we'll put it in the show notes. Go it has the new creator Katy Perry video Rise. The connection here is I'm hoping that Ryan Sipes writes a Mycroft Katy Perry skill, open source GPL, to bring all of your Katy Perry needs into the Mycroft engine. Well, you know, uh, this sort of brings us full circle back to the Coda Radio Challenge. It is going for one more week, and the, the challenge is some sort That's of right. uh, skill or something to do with that effect. Mycroft. So there you go. That could be one of them. Continue, continue the Katy Perry meme. And that is the Coda Radio Challenge. Mm, uh, oh, ah. So next week will be the wrap-up of that challenge. Now, Mike, for your consideration, can I pitch you an idea for the next challenge and just see what you think? Pitch it. Pitch it away. So uh, I want to streamline the process of creating one-off podcasts uh, here at the Uh, JB1 studio. And uh, um, there are several examples of things out there uh, that like PodPublish that Wimpy has has created – what I, want, what I want to create, what I would like is a script that asks for me for the input of the file, uh, like a WAV file that I want to encode, uh, and the input for a video loop file, which would probably be an MP4 file, but something like FFmpeg would understand. And then what I would like is for something that encodes a video file where the video loops for as long as the audio lasts. So that way it's, you can quickly create something you can distribute as a video from an audio show. And then it quick so it, so that could that could extend from there like automatically uploading it to YouTube, spitting out an MP3 with ID3 information attached to it. So I think really the crux is is using FFmpeg and like three or four other command line open source utilities to, to create this script. It should be easy. There's lots of examples you can find on Stack so- Exchange. So, oh God! <laughs> so when you when you first of all you're like every horrible client ever. You're welcome. But when you say one off, what do you what do you mean like specials? Like what is? A, I guess yeah. I don't understand what a one off podcast. Is. Well, it could be a secret project that I don't want to talk about, or it could also oh, be one off uh, uh, shows that will like you know uh, uh, we go to an event and we get an, we get some audio interview with somebody and I want to release it for people to listen to in like the RSS feed as like its own. Feed. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. But it could also be something that's ongoing weekly. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're doing uh, the Windows Action Show without me, I'm going to be very pissed <laughs> off. Or the Mac Power Hour, also pissed off. Oh, Just yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I'd watch yourself on those secret projects, buddy. How about one show? Oh, this is actually a good idea, so just don't steal it. How about one show that's all of those shows, and each segment is like, so first segment's the Windows one, and you bring on the Windows people. Second segment's the Mac one, you bring on the Mac people. Okay, Third segment, everybody's on at the same time. <laughs> I have that show. Two of them, actually, by Paul Therott. And I just oh. want to buy the man a beer. Yeah. And, like, tell him it's going to be <laughs> I okay. know. Yeah, that one, the Windows one would be rough after a while. It's rough. I mean, you know, we don't need to talk about depression here, but. He does seem a little down, doesn't he? It's been, but it's been over a year now. Dude, it's, no, man. It's been, it's been since Windows 8. It's been it's since Windows been 8. A long, right. When, yeah, it's when been a long Sanofsky time. When did Sanofsky take over? It was right when Sanofsky took over. He's been like, yeah. it'll be all right. Right, guys? So, Something. what do you think? Uh, is my project Coder Challenge, Coder Radio Challenge worthy? Because I, I think, think you're all right. Yeah, it's a little tough, right? Because you basically you know, gotta have a little FFmpeg knowledge, but it's pretty well documented too. Well, but the person running it has to have the prerequisites installed, right? The command line utilities. Yeah, that is true. So, I mean, 
And it'd probably have to be packaged up as in a, some way for me to get it, like a tarball well, or like AUR. A, like a Docker or, Compose. I mean, that's probably what I would recommend. Although one issue I've been Or a been Snap. Having, or a Snap actually would be really interesting because they're supposedly with Snapcraft not too hard to uh, – that's, uh, that's much too cool for me. I'm sorry. Then I could install it on all my machines. Yeah, see – but that again, that's more work, right? Either doing a Docker Compose image or doing the Snapcraft. Uh, what do they call it? What, what is the official name for like the object name for a Snap? You know what I mean? I think it's a Snap, and then you have it's a Snap. Yeah, so and it then is a Snap. Oh, well, you yeah. have YAML files which describe all, all what the Snap is, all the well, dependencies. No, no, I know, like the technology, the package is called Snapcraft, right? But no, like, the, pack, is, the package creator is called Snapcraft. Oh, the okay, actual the packages are Snaps, right? So I'm shipping you a Snap. Correct. That's how they say it? I believe so. All these kids. So cute. The Snapcraft thing is actually, it's really fascinating. Uh, so uh, Wimpy has already published uh, Pod Publish as a Snap, and Pod Publish is like a Python script which already does everything I've just said and way more. But what it does is it input it inputs an image still and extends that image still as long as the audio goes, and then produces an MKV ready for uh, YouTube upload. Uh, I would like to, instead I'd like to be able to embed video because I'd like that's more visually interesting than just one still image while you're listening to a YouTube video. That's kind of obnoxious. So I wanted something that's like a video loop. So Pod Publish uh-huh. is already created by Wimpy, uh, which people could find online, which re- is open source and available as a snap. Okay. So you could even now, look at his you could even look snap? at his snap. No, it, if you actually want me to use it, <laughs> maybe. Well, Only right. because as, as I'm the insta- guy who's going to get the emails asking for clarification. This is have to be he, you know somebody else might be able to snap it up for us too. But uh, because okay. I'm going to use it on Ubuntu, uh, Fedora, and and Arch, a lot of Arch, probably would be easiest just to do a snap. Gotcha. So, so you really want a snap or an AUR package? Uh, or I could probably I could probably enlist the help of somebody to snap it up if that's too much. But I'd be curious to get somebody's input on that too, just to see what that's like, how realistic that is. What well, snap I looked cr- at the whole snap thing. It doesn't look bad, but no, I know there's no. some fragmentation there with like Fedora or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So this, so to be clear, the 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 current challenge still stands for one more week. I'm just kind of, I'm just planting. I'm just sort of saying this would be something. To be clear, right? The Mycroft challenge is quote unquote due on the 22nd, right next Monday, the or rather the Sunday before that. The following challenge would be September, yeah, August 29th. And I'll I'll definitely throw in some JB swag for the winner or something like that to, you know. Wait, can I win? Sure. I want swag. Wait, whoa, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I would like a percentage of that swag. Can you send some swag this way? <laughs> hey, uh, Mr. Fisher, that's a lot of nice swag you got there. It'd be a shame if uh, something, I don't know, would have happened to your swag. All right, let's get let's do the show, Chris. We're, right. we're out of our goddamn minds. It's, All right, yeah. You know what? Snap is like a drug. I, blame, I really think... I actually blame yeah. Ryan. I blame Ryan. I blame Ryan on his, like, peace out, going to feed you, mm-hmm, bitches. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, remember, I think, I think your co-host, Chris, may have been sniffing some blood in the water last week on my line of questioning that we aborted because... The one I, that I yelled at you for? I the get, one that I was like, Ugh. I get a sense that there, there, made a, there, there is an open source friction component to this departure is my, is my sense. Based on what? Nothing? Is it just uh, based on nothing? Sources familiar with the matter. Oh. Okay, Fox News. <laughs> you like so that? your third cousin told you that? <laughs> I mean, what, is, what is that? Sources familiar with the matter. That's all right. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. Right, hang, hang on. What, what's... I have to come on unfiltered this week. Yeah, and, you and should. just play you as one of the bullshit journalists. Yeah, okay. All right, sure. Yeah. Play my clip back from Carter Radio. <laughs> 
Oh, this good. asshole's just making things up. That's good. He, what, is it probably just some source on Twitter that it's not even verified? Rita Katz is it's my like, source. It's like the Twitter account, not Chris Fisher. It's, yeah. The site intelligence group is where I heard that from. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Although it's not the Cato Institute, then you're okay. <laughs> hey, so there was something that happened last week that I, I didn't even think to talk to you about, but I actually would really like to pick your brain about it. Uh, and that's Apple's new bug bounty program that's not like anybody else's bug bounty program, but still kind of seems legit. That's a radical change from the old position of eat shit and die. Yeah, and did you did you see that there was an interview with Eddie Q and Craig Federici, I think it was, and they talked about why they do uh, open betas for iOS now? I did see. I did not watch the interview, though. I don't know. So I don't I, – uh, I just yeah, read I, a quote, and the quote was such that they learned from Maps that, and how bad that was that a team of 50 people wasn't enough and that they needed to have it in the hands of a whole bunch of users. And so what I think is interesting is that they, they – that to me actually kind of reflects that they really got it because it seems that's a, that's a huge radical shift for Apple. If you recall Apple from a couple of years ago, they would slap NDAs down on anybody that got a beta and they would go after journalists. Well, right. That was – remember the uh, – I think the first few years we did the show, I could not talk about the Apple stuff yep. post WWDC. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that's a pretty big change for them. And what I think is interesting about it is – they could have gone locked down and small. They could have just uh, done like a – they could have – honestly, Mike, they could have just made Maps a standalone app in the App Store and published betas for people to test if they really just wanted to get more map data input. And I think people would jump all over an Apple Maps beta to, be a, to do that. I think that would have been really a big hit for them. I think it shows you that they actually zoomed out and got the big picture and went, oh, shit, there could be a – there could be a lot of things in there we're not catching anymore. There's just too many users. We've got we've got millions and millions and millions of users that get affected when we make the smallest change. And they actually got it in like a legitimate way. Mm. So uh now we now we arrive at the news that they've uh, they've launched this rather interesting bug bounty program. <clears throat> uh they announced it at Black Hat, which is sort of Historical on its own, to tell you the truth. The head of uh, Apple Security Engineering and Architecture announced the company will pay rewards of up to $200,000 for five classes of bugs in iOS and iCloud. Apple pay $100,000 to researchers who can extract confidential data from iOS secure Enclave processor, 50000 to researchers who report code execution flaws that provide kernel privileges, and also uh, if you get iCloud account information, and twenty five k to researchers with vulnerabilities that allow sandbox processes to break out I don't see a lot in here for the Mac, actually, but uh, some people are calling this a pretty smart approach, a slow approach, and it's a private bug bounty program. It's invite only. However, there also seems to be a little wiggle room where if you actually found something super serious and you worked with Apple in the right sequence, they might retroactively include you in the bug bounty program. Uh, And so I noticed that you tweeted about this as a sort of a big shift, and I was curious to get your thoughts. Well, it is a big shift, right? I mean, Apple has been pretty notorious for I don't know how to say this but like really trying to control the narrative I guess of their beta software Um, you know when we started the show X many years ago right I was unable to discuss the uh, WWC betas because I was actually under NDA right and it's not like I had some special deal with Apple I was like every other schmuck who went to the conference or you know listened to the video if you don't want your developer access pulled if you'd like to be able to be in this business, shut up. 
<laughs> yeah, um, you want your apps to make money? <laughs> right. It's pretty nice apps you got there. Uh, hey, it's something happened to them. Why is that a theme this episode already? It's very 1920s. The other thing was like they've been notoriously bad at treating security researchers or, you know, white hat hackers who say, hey, I just broke into the iPhone. They're like, great, we're going to report to the FBI. See ya. Right. They've been pretty aggressive. And, you know, the GeoHot kid that they tried to, like, have arrested, right, for the jailbreaking thing a couple years ago. Yeah, but they also have hired some of those guys. Well, th- there was a shift, right? And I think and a lot of it was, like, that's the end of going. the jobs era. Yeah. Like, Tim Cook, I think, is a much more practical fellow. Um, or jobs maybe a little more defensive. And it could but. be more like the people down working closer to the actual OS level have been saying, we need more people testing this. We need this help. Right. And then it now management is filtering up to management because they're like, okay, what can we – do you remember the narrative just a year ago that Apple's quality is is down in the dumps? And What was it that Marco Arment wrote that like got all kinds uh, of Something play? about uh, losing the functional Funch- high ground. Yeah, yeah. Apple's losing the functional high ground or software or something like yeah. that. Um. Because, you know, the iOS 8.8.1 rollout was kind of crap, right? It was broken in weird ways. Like, I had the issue where, you know, the phone phone.app on my iPhone would freeze constantly. Making me unable to hang up phone calls, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And there were a number of those issues that people were reporting. Um, you know, it. I am actually still of the opinion that... Maybe they'll change my mind at the end of September when they release, hopefully, new MacBook Pros. But they've definitely gone... You know, Apple's always been criticized, right, for being fun- uh, design form over function, design over functionality. Yeah. I think iOS 8 was probably the worst example of that. So what's the current... Like, oh, I- wait, wait. iOS 9 is the current iOS, right? Yeah, like a 9.3 or something, yeah. And it seems like the complaints have pretty much simmered down since iOS well, 9 came out. iOS 9 was like a like a, a snow leopard style release for me, right? It's a very, not much new, a lot of QA stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, more sharing, more APIs. more A lot of stuff for developers too, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Mike, because I'm, I'm on the uh, Nexus 6P and I'm running uh, Android uh, 601 with the uh, latest uh, August patches. And um, I'm st- so I'm, I'm many months into this now and I'm starting to run into problems now. So the, I would say the phone was damn near flawless when I first got it. But now uh, I have problems like uh, my Bluetooth speakers connect and then the, the audio never goes out the speaker. And I have, to turn, I have to turn Bluetooth off my phone, turn the speaker off, turn things back on. Same with pairing to my truck, which was never a problem before, mm-hmm. now has issues. My multitasking button, when I tap the multitasking button to see my open uh, applications, I just, get a, uh, uh, I just get a blank screen with text that says, your recent screens appear here. I'm actually not able to do multitasking until I reboot, and I, now I'm having to reboot every couple of days to make that work. Uh, so I, I, it's been interesting to see my sort of Android experience devolve as I've used it. And the other thing that's kind of curious about it is I've pretty much not really installed any new apps uh, sure. since I, I, I installed Pokemon Go to play with it a couple of times, but that's about it for months. Um, but yet something's still happening where it seems to be getting less and less reliable for me. Another example is today my alarm didn't go off. Uh, it's funny you should say that because I just updated my 5X here and I just confirmed it while you were uh, going through your issues to 601. Yeah. And I'm having an issue now where I I almost constantly play, you know, oddly enough, Apple Music on my Android phone. Oh, really? Or, yeah, because I have an account. 
um, family account with the missus, mm-hmm. uh, Audible or Pocket Cast. And I'm having an issue now since I've updated where the audio from any of those apps does not stop or worse, resumes when I take a phone call in the middle of the phone call. Oh, sure. Yeah, I've had that too. So like answer a call for work because I have my Vonage line forward to my cell. And then all of a sudden, Katy Perry will be like, <laughs> baby, you're a fire. Oh my gosh. I had uh, yesterday when I got off a call, I had Pocket Cast and NPR One start playing. Yeah. Yeah, same same problem. I mean, it's it, yeah, it, it's not just Apple Music. To be clear, it is any audio app, Audible, Pocket Cast, Apple Music. Those are the three I use on my phone. If I take a phone call, I have like a 50-50 shot of it randomly resuming during the call. Hmm. So uh, I guess that's not – I mean, that's neither – this is neither here there. Just a slight tangent. Just to, as a – It's all crap. Don't worry, Apple. Yeah, really, I guess. Uh, you know, and I also just wanted to book note our uh, bug bounty program with just – just uh, the tech snapper in me has to mention that uh, by the day Apple – the. Apple was already outbid when they launched this program. Uh, there are there are brokers out there that will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars more than Apple yeah. for serious rootkits of the iPhone. It is there is a massive market out there. There has been one, there has been million dollar bounties many times now. I think we've even covered some of them here on the show in the past. So two hundred thousand dollars is definitely great to do. You know, you think about it. If you go with the Apple bug bounty program, that's going to be a pretty legitimate uh, feather in your cap. To say I got a big payout by Apple, even one of the smaller payouts, is a pretty legitimate feather on your resume. This, though, could pay you significantly more. You don't get uh, credit in legitimate circles, but you'll get credit and quite a bit of money. So it's a really tight line Apple has to walk. <clears throat> it's not as easy as it sounds. And so they had they didn't go the hacker one route, which was really popular right now, which is a community of uh, bidders and people who are reward or, or collecting. On and, and publishing exploits, and there's a whole broker and mediator mediator system. And Hacker One's getting a lot of popularity, but Apple wanted to do their own thing, and I, I'm kind of curious to see how it goes for them. And I'm really glad they're doing something. Yeah, I, I think you know, at Apple scale, not having this type of program is just kind of silly. Yeah, yeah, it's good they did. Hey, before yeah. we go on, let's take let's take a moment and thank DigitalOcean. Use our promo code Absolutely. Coder Digital, and uh, you get a ten dollar credit over DigitalOcean. You just apply it to your account. DigitalOcean is great. It's really simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to get started. If you want to do a base Linux system or a complete application stack, they make it really easy. And if you want to do a month rig, month-to-month plan, $5 a month is the starting. $5 a month. Now, remember, we have our promo code, Coder Digital, give you a $10 credit. You can get that $5 machine for two months absolutely free or take advantage of their hourly pricing. I love their three cents an hour rig. It's tons of power. It's my go-to one now all the time. I've, I've really found it to be the perfect balance of price and performance. And now that I can – the block storage. Now that I can attach it to block storage, game changer. Three cents an hour and I can attach it to highly available SSD-backed block storage. And they've got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, and Germany. If any of this ever feels like it's over your head, they've got great documentation. And if you're an expert user, you don't even need to use their beautiful, beautiful interface. You can take advantage of their straightforward API. With a great interface, a great API, and fantastic documentation, the only thing left is for you to try it at DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code, CoderDigital. Thank you, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So, Mike, uh, you call it... Slack apocalypse now. Oh Jesus Christ! I hate Slack. <laughs> I love Slack. It's it, 
All right, go go ahead. You had a you in the doc. You have a great lead into this. I hate to interrupt. So, you. Oh, do ahead. I? Okay. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Mr. Dominic, uh, when it comes to Slack, I am of mixed opinions. But uh, Mike starts with Slack is reducing my productivity and almost certainly having a material negative effect on my day to day performance as well as my job enjoyment. Things started so well with Slack and I, and I still live the. I love the vision of reducing email, but something's changed. Something's been twisted. Uh, and I think this is interesting because I almost have I almost have a I have a very Zen approach to to this sort of Slack Mattermost group collaboration chat that uh, has worked has served me. But I also hear the other side a lot. Slack is a productivity vampire. It's stealing my day. Um, I've yeah. definitely had that experience. I'm only so, a member of like two teams, though. So yeah, I'm a member of like eight teams. That's uh, <laughs> just. One thing, all right, let, so let's go over the whole post, right? Because I, th- I think there's going to be a very big difference in the role Slack plays in my life than your life. Mm. If you take a look, if you scroll down, I'd say to halfway through that post, um, right where there's, I don't know, I can't see the video right now. Yeah, right there. I So I thought it would be a good infographic. I put in what effectively is my normal slack feed if i go away for about an hour and a half yeah. right, they jump on a call for yeah a like a screenshot of what you might expect yeah build eta which spelled incorrectly because it always is right <laughs> hey how are we looking on that build just wanted to follow up hey you there you there hey saw you moved a ticket can i get an eta on that build question question hello hello you there slack yeah. has become the micromanagement tool of choice oh um, and I think what, you know, we used to talk a couple years ago a lot about like, you know, remote work, right. And how remote work could be made to work and be productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of pushback on that, right. You remember, uh, Marissa Mayer, you know, revoked everybody's remote working passes basically. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of folks would write in saying, Hey, I'm a PM and I would never right. you know, let remote working go because I need to be able to monitor that people aren't browsing Facebook and looking at porn or whatever. <laughs> right. And Slack has effectively solved that problem for those people in a way that I think is horrible. Hmm. So because, like you, you, you take on the project and then they invite you to their Slack ch- uh, team so you're getting yeah. The- I mean, it's worse than like subcontracting deals, but yeah. So it's, it's like it's like the go to like all right now that we're working on this thing, this is how we're going to chat instead of email or something like that. But there's a big difference between chat and email, right? Where email, if I get back to you, and this is one of the point I points I make in the article um, or the post rather, you know, it is totally socially acceptable for me to get back to you at five o'clock at the end of the day, right? Mm. Because I'm actually trying to get your work done. With Slack, there's like a five-minute grace period there. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I'm in the men's room. Do you know what I mean? That's that's about it. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, Slack incur- – and you know, Chris, I'm very skeptical of Agile. <laughs> to me, Slack encourages all the worst success of, uh, of Agile. Because here's uh-huh. one thing, right? Every team I've been using Slack with – I mean, and we use Slack internally at Buncaneer too, and it, I would say that is the only real appropriate use for Slack is internal communication. Because, you know, if you're actually somebody's boss, ride them all day long, right? Like, if that's how you think you need to manage people, go ahead. Here here come the Slack police ready to take them away. <laughs> yeah, they're coming right but, now. They're going to shut you down. Like, I also don't believe that daily stand-ups are good, right? Because I, there is no amount of work I can get done in a day 
that is going to be impressive to you if you are a non-technical person and you need to see UI changes, unless I'm only working on UI stuff. You know, at some point, someone has to write caching <clears> or, <throat> you know, <clears throat> fix this bug that's in a... So um, I, I guess... I don't... It sounds like what you have here is not really a technology yeah. problem. I mean, because this would, this would be an issue. Uh, wouldn't this be an issue if you were using Telegram or you were using... Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's not Slack specific, Hip right? I mean, how is this any different? You, you know I love analogies, right? Yeah. Cocaine is bad. Sure. Slack has managed to solve the cocaine problem by inventing crack. Hmm. It's not good. I mean, Slack was awesome until they let you add people externally to your team. That is probably the worst idea I've ever heard. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if somebody doesn't get something done in a week, I will just fire them, right? And, th- and that's the end of it. I don't feel the need to, like, hour-to-hour check in on people. Yeah. And maybe it's a personality flaw where when I, you know, and, and you know, people who've worked for me know this. If I'm checking in on you, it means I think you're not doing your work mm-hmm. or that you're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, it means I think you're not doing your work. So when I have someone checking on me, I almost see that as like a slight, as some sort of, hmm. yeah. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> so here's here's I just I want to I guess I want to just take a second and I want to explain to people there is the why ever Slack crowd out there and I just want to address it really super briefly and that is in for us at the workflow things like Mattermost and Slack work really well at JB because a lot of what we're sharing is clips files. Twitter links and news stories, um, and the the way that uh, and Google Docs actually, and so the way sure. that Slack is able to pre-fetch and, and process information, embed stuff right in the chat stream, makes three or four of us very productive at a time to work on one show, and it's that is super nice for us. Also, it's a great spot for people that have like production questions on how things should be done back on the back end. I treat Slack, though, as – and I was just talking about this yesterday off-air with Noah, I think. Uh, I treat Slack as the place I go when I am mentally ready to answer people's questions. And so if you want mm. – if you work with me and you want the best possible response from me and it's work-related, you should put it in Slack. If it's urgent and you want to talk to me, Telegram's fine, but you're going to get me perhaps in the middle of a show, in the middle of you know prepping for the live show. You could get me at a very bad time, and I might not be I might not be in the state you want me to fully think about your question and answer it. So I have treated Slack as sort of like this thing that I jump into and I answer the threads and then I jump so out. So Slack is almost like your assistant. It takes your calls, writes up a message, yeah. and you'll respond when you respond. I suppose. No, so. I don't mean yeah. that as a joke. I mean that like. Really, yeah, really. Like and I, the other reason yeah. I like it a lot is I, I really prefer its do not disturb uh, system. And I would love every messaging platform to adopt this tomorrow. And that is um, perfect for working with uh, pe- my colleagues because they I trust them to know if something's important or not. You know, uh, and so if I set it to do not disturb, the first thing it says is, hey, this person is set to do not disturb and they'll see this message when they return. But if it's super important, I could push it to their phone, you know, click this button. And then it, and that is great for urgent production stuff. That, no, you know, that's a great point, right? So that is the state difference, and Slack has that state. One issue I have, it's, um, it's, it's very blunt, that. though. There, there's no there's no variance of it. Like it can't just be I'm busy, but it's you couldn't contact me if it's important. It's just I'm totally unavailable, and you can take yeah. the risk, or I'm available. See that? See that's the issue I have with Slack. I'm either away or I'm there. I want a status 
that I could show to these people that says, I am here, but I am busy. And the the sick part about this to me is, you know, you remember a couple of years ago, I was a big HipChat user. Mm-hmm. HipChat had that, right? It was a do not disturb mode. It was, I am here, I am active. It shows you that I'm at my desk, but it's also telling you that I, at least in my opinion, feel like I'm too busy to talk to you. And that doesn't need to be like a, like I'm phrasing it as an aggressive thing here. But the reality is, in my mind, if I'm a client, I want my work done, right? And even though a status update right now when I want it might make me feel good, the truth is, at the end of the week, I'd rather have my sprint finished. Where I think Slack, it's either you're not online at all, and then people start messaging you, hey, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, they go to the backup methods, yeah. Right, they, they don't see that green light, and they get nervous. Or you're there, and you know, you're available, and people want to talk to you and tell you. There's a time for that. Right. There's a time for client management and all that kind of stuff, but not when we're deploying something. Right. That, that is not the time. Um, the other thing I don't love about Slack is, you know, one of the great things about being a shop is you can hire customer service people to do some of the relationship management for you. Mm-hmm. Well, Slack totally shoots that in the face because no one wants the, you know, the gatekeepers, so to speak, in the Slack channel. Right creates a lot of direct communication with your development team that you may or may not want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you may not want it because it's not productive, right? And, and you don't want in three months to hear, oh, you guys didn't get anything done and you build us all this time. To be fair, this is not me not wanting to talk to people. You know, I actually want people who work with me to get value and to be happy when they're paying invoices, right? And you may feel good that you're getting instant updates on my status, but that's not value, hmm. right? That doesn't mean anything. Um, this is the same issue I have with daily standups. I'm, if your project is of any significance, there's not a whole lot I can do in a day that's visible that I can show you in a daily build on a daily standup. Yeah. Maybe I'm just, you know, this is my old man curmudgeonist coming out and saying that this agile thing is kind of snake oil. But it's kind of snake oil, right? I mean, making commitments within a 36 to 48 hour period is crazy to me. You know, can I tell you, I think what you're suffering from is uh, this really kind of rushed transition that we've all done and not everyone's arrived at the same place at the same time. So uh, I have a I have an extended family member that had a birthday. It wasn't like a major milestone birthday, but I think it was like yeah, maybe like the you know 53rd birthday or something. 54. I'm not sure. And uh, we sent them a message because we were traveling on the road at the time. And uh, we sent them a message, just happy birthday. I sent them a few photos thinking of you for, on your birthday. And the family member never wrote back. And when we got back in town, we realized that they were offended that we sent them a text message for their birthday. That that was, in their estimation, not genuine real communication. While everybody in in... And I, I, I thought, you know, that was my, oh, that probably wasn't sufficient. But, of course, we weren't really in a position to make a phone call either. Um, and so I think what has happened is people view different types of communication as, with different sets of expectations. Some people, some people view email with the expectation that it's almost as instant as an IM, while others treat email as something that might take several days to hear back from. Uh, and each client you deal with has different sets of expectations. And the same is true on Telegram chat, the same is true on Skype chat, and the same is true on Hangouts and Slack. And the problem is with Slack is 
it, they they didn't really solve this problem. Ironically, I think Skype may have solved it the best with many different states and and abilities to communicate uh, yeah. what your availability is. Yeah. And ironically, it just never really took off from there. And Slack is just too blunt. And the problem is you have different expectations with different people. And I don't know how you message what they should expect from you in terms of your availability without seeming rude because then you're going up against what they expect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am the most anti-open communication guy I think I know. (laughs) And I'm never rude when someone interrupts me. Right. I I have the conversation, even if it's about what kind of pizza they had at lunch. (laughs) And I hate it, but I have it and I'm pleasant. Uh, although you make a great point. I used to have an add-in to Skype that was like a Pomodoro timer mm-hmm. that would actually tell people working on, you know, yep. programming. Or right? listening to me. all those cheeky things. Yeah. Right. But like if, I, if it says programming, leave me alone. Right. Yeah. And that was like an unspoken rule that kept everybody at bay. Yeah. Uh, another great side conversation here is um, Endocray in the chat is uh, giving me some heat about the contracts. Like you wrote the contract, but you have to remember a lot of developers, a lot of guys like me who would do dev shops, most of our business is subcontracting. I would also argue that it really – the, the issue primarily is these tools come along and you sort of jump on them to improve productivity and then everybody gets into it and you realize each individual has a different set of expectations. So even when you – I mean it seems like – Communication with the project lead at the company is probably a good idea, and if they have a Slack channel already dedicated to the project you're working on, it's probably a good idea so you can get looped in on that and see the past information, get you know relevant data, be included on conversations about it. That seems, on the face of it, like a great idea. The problem is you have no idea what everybody else in that thread expects from you in terms of availability and how long it's going to take you to reply to things. I don't see, know. Been, are you gonna, yeah, what are you going to write in your contract? Uh, avoid as much communication as possible? There's no way to structure that. It doesn't look kind of shady. Right. And I don't know. Again, this might be a curmudgeon thing, but I, I really don't understand like why the twice monthly or you know every two week or even weekly call. Like I hated conference calls, but they were a hell of a lot more productive because you know what? If two weeks go by – and we sent you a demo and there's something that there's probably something to discuss. And maybe you don't like the demo. Maybe you do like the demo. More likely you like some things but don't like others. And there's actually a, a fruitful conversation that can be had where with this new daily or even with Slack, like hourly kind of stuff. I'm sorry, man, but it's just not how I work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I you know. I don't think you can build anything significant on a one-day time scale. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither was your app. <laughs> yeah, especially app if it's something, something that's really important clone. to you, right? right? If it's something, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, if your app is like, you know, the 18th Uber clone, you can go buy a shell of an Uber app right now for $2,000. and mm-hmm. I'll, You know, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's a larger conversation I've been wanting to have for a couple of weeks about Agile, and I felt that Slack was a good way into it, <laughs> where I, you know, the original point, in my understanding of Agile, was to remove unnecessary ceremony from the project management process, right? To let developers be more productive. And what I'm finding is, like, I actually took on Pluralsight, one of their PMP prep courses. Those who don't know, the PMP is a project management uh, professional certification. Whatever happened to removing ceremony? (laughs) Oh, my God. This is, like, the worst thing I've ever seen. And it makes all the crazy PMs I've ever worked with make a ton of sense because they were taught that if they have these artifacts, 
that they will not be accountable. And it's it's all about mm, God. Yes, it's, it's about avoiding accountability. And listen, yes, it I, is. when people talk to me about accountability and transparency, I hate that. You know what? Transparency is not a right. You have a right to get your product, not for me to be transparent how I did it. Because transparency often leads to problems. And all this PMP crap, and, and this was like a 20-hour course I took. It's all about being transparent with the client, but you know, measuring individual developer performance. And kind of the unspoken asterisk is, because if the project goes to shit, which most projects are going to, you have one guy you can blame, fire, and then say, hey, we fired the guy who sucked. Sorry. Really, like, I don't know. You know, almost like we're going to create all these artifacts, these theaters of productivity to show that work was done, that when things go bad, you can't say anything. But isn't the actual development work an artifact of that saying, listen, <laughs> you had a budget, you exceeded that budget. Sorry, right? Like, and th- th- there is a longer conversation about like scope creep. Um, I personally think that scope, scope creep is the, you know, do we, do we want to dive into it? Should we? your call fisher hmm you know i think we could i think uh i think we have enough time i think i think we could yeah i think we could do it i think we should also uh maybe we'll stop and do a little uh little thank you over at uh, linux academy and then we'll continue on because then we can just clear the way and it just take however long it takes it takes you know we know so we'll have a little ceremony before we start before we talk about it let's Let's visit oh god (laughs) yeah you like what i did get your canant chart chris get it <laughs> LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you go to support the show. That's the way you vote for continuing the Coder Radio program. March on, my friends. Your vote does matter at LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Now, Linux Academy is everything you need to learn and get your hands-on experience with the entire Linux stack. Self-paced in-depth video courses for every cloud DevOps topic you could possibly dream of. Downloadable comprehensive study guides. You can choose your Linux distribution and it it changes the courseware and the virtual machines that it spins up. Hands-on scenario-based labs so you get real experience. Instructor mentoring is available when you need it. Learning plans that fit your time frame and availability. Adaptable learning plans. Note cards that are forked by the community and made even better. A community full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. They got iOS and Android apps so you can study whenever you've got a chance to grab your mobile device of choice. The study tools are really nice, like podcast-type things you can listen to, personal notebooks and tools to help you study. Great, a great dashboard that gives you a real easy overview of how much work you have ahead of you, makes it simple to break down big topics into understandable chunks. They've got great courseware on AWS, OpenStack, Azure, and even more coming very soon. Check it out at linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. Now, what did you say about Agile? It allows pl- project managers to defer responsibility. What did you say? Yeah, I think it was to, um, what did I say? Yeah, to um, displace or defer accountability is the yeah. word I used. Yeah, that, yeah, boy, that is, when I get into a system where I can smell that's what's going on, which happens a lot in you know companies of 200 people or more, or even 100 people or more, even smaller companies can happen, but it really is almost systemic when you have 100, 200 people. Nobody wants to be accountable for failure. And that's yeah. one of the reasons they go to contractors is because the contractor is the easy – the contractor being accountable for failure means nobody in the business has to lose their job. Nobody has a ding on their next review. Nobody had to learn a lesson because the contractor screwed up. Well, and you have a lot more leeway with the contractor, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can, it's a lot easier to ride them too. All right, it's a lot easier to stiff them or like, you know, 
you can't not pay your employees. But a lot of times, what what do you suppose the number one element is that causes the client to be dissatisfied in the long run? Like there is a there is so, a common yeah. repeating theme that always seems to happen. So it's all about expectations, right? Um, Absolutely. Now, now this is funny because I am slightly younger than you, but we, I, I feel like just based on the technology curve, I'm at the end of the curve you came in. <laughs> no, really. Like, You're we're, welcome. We're still, we're still in the same band, but I'm at the very end, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably very likely. I don't, I don't know what you were taught when you were super junior, but what I was taught was scope creep isn't really a scope problem it's a client communication problem yeah right? yep yep if you if if we are and this is when i worked at that uh java marketing shop if we are not hitting the client's expectation it means we are not communicating to them what we're doing and the value mm-hmm. that we're providing well no one says that anymore that's a, that's old thinking oh really mm-hmm. that seems to just be common sense i just talked to in fact some very high-priced um a fellow named uh, Jason Swank, some high price like um, how do you, what do you call that? Like digital marketing consultant, like this. He, he's, he's an advisor to shops, basically like agile. So shops, like uh, not, like yeah, an advisor I think is probably the perfect description. Yeah, a guy who sold the shop, like he's actually done it. It's not you know. Yeah, so it's like they hire him and like he he consults with them in like a uh, vision advisory leadership role. And you know, I talked to him about some of these issues of you know. Historically, I have had a very hard time with what I would call scope creep. Yeah, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really, we're really good. We have a base camp. I'm willing to get on calls personally, right? You know, we do all this stuff, and he just—it was a video call. He just sat there shaking his head. Saying, <laughs> what? You're living in the past. What? What are you talking about? You're, you talking you're about? out of date. No. Yes, scope creep is not a client communication problem. Scope creep, and this is not my position, I don't think this is true, is a sales problem. So the, the and, and I, I talked to two other guys like him, but he's the most prominent. And um, they all said the same thing, right? It's a sales problem, meaning that the projects are set up to fail from the signing of the contract. Now, what do you, what do you what think do you, about that, Chris? I don't I don't understand. Because- all right, let me dig into it, right? So... Because nobody wants to lose money on either end of the deal. Well, let's unpack that, right? Obviously, no one goes into a contract thinking they're going to lose money. It seems – so he had a position. He had two two things to say. One, you really, really – he's very much against hourly projects, which I thought was interesting. Um, which is funny because I've been trying to push everybody to hourly. Because hourly guarantees I can't lose money, right? Yeah, it seems I mean, like because if they right. end work, then... Invoice more than I pay, pay people. I mean, yeah. that's the simplest thing on the planet. But there is another side of it of, you know, a lot of larger shops, and this is something maybe I've missed in the transition in the last, you know, 10 years plus. Okay. A lot of shops will literally sell you anything at any price and will not not charge you for discovery. Um, do we have to define discovery? Do you, I, I feel like the audience probably knows what we mean by that. Yeah, and 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 in the sense of you know sometimes you have to figure out how much work something is, and sometimes that is work itself. Right, and and the problem is that you know a little shop like Buccaneer, we simply can't afford to do that for free. Mm-hmm. So we generally charge about two grand for that. I'm actually running a promo. 
plug, plug, plug. Nice. Where do they uh, go? They, do, uh, they can just go to buccaneer.io, fill out a contact form, Boom. or just email me. It's uh, 500 bucks. We're doing it basically for free, just a little bit to cover part of the cost to figure out what the true cost of a project is. So fine, I'm sold on that, right? That's the right way to do it. Seems very honestly, honest. It seems very honest. Seems, seems very honest. It seems very forthright. Looks at me and says, Mike, I don't know, man. That still doesn't make sense. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about, brother? What, what are you talking about? What He's just saying thing? you just sell it regardless and just make it work. Like you cram it in, go hire somebody from a third world country. Like what is he, what is he implying by that? That's interesting. I didn't take it that way. So what I thought he was saying is that, you know, there was an app gold rush, right? And, you know, one kind of uncovered story of this is all the consulting shops that failed at the end of the gold rush. Mm. Because it turns out that they weren't doing things in a profitable way and they were kind of just funding old projects with new projects, right? That sort of thing. Yeah. It turns out that, and this is pretty obvious, you can't do a fixed bid project and have either the vendor or the client be happy without doing a discovery phase, right? We all agree on yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that seems, that's why um, I think your approach seems pretty straightforward and honest. Right. No one's going to do a money-losing project forever, right? Because mm-hmm. at some point, the lawsuit is less money than doing the work. Really, like, unfortunately, that's the reality of these types of projects. Well, and then, and even you know, a uh, a smaller scope uh, outcome could be your name starts to get tarnished as you fail to deliver time after time because things are too costly. It's 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 almost not relevant, though. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I will say that the gold rush allowed a lot of people to do a lot a lot of sure. bad things sure. that weren't sustainable. See, in my line of work, you're you know, you're people would you know contact other businesses you worked with and say, well, how did he do? So that was always kind of a thing that you wanted to leave on good terms because they would my clients would look would contact my past clients as references. See, and you have just hit on all three of their major point. These apps are like no other IT service that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. They are ephemeral and they don't last. It's almost like selling Beanie Babies. So it really doesn't matter as long as you don't lose money on the project. Now, I don't agree with this. This was the sales guru's advice. Their advice was basically close anything at any reasonable price and then document the entire project so you can defend yourself when there is a conflict. Emphasis on the when there is a conflict, right? Historically, I've tried to avoid those conflicts or mitigate those conflicts. Mm. But it just shows you that, you know, you have really you have two people coming into the relationship here. One, the client who never ever ever wants to sign an open ended contract to be billed <laughs> hourly. You have the vendor who's absolutely, if they have half a brain, going to open a corporation and make sure that you can't sue them personally, and uh, you know is never ever 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 going to agree to work until you're happy. So there has to be some scope, right? Some end to the project. Well, what is that? Well, you have a contract. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know about you, Chris. I've seen lots of dev contracts and almost none of them define the work to be done correctly or completely. Yeah, that is, that's, again, why I thought your approach was pretty good because you have the best shot of it, at least. And- right, but I have found that the delta between one and $20,000 uh, in terms of people willing to spend money is less be- than between one and $500. Hmm. You cannot get someone to spend money on something that they don't see value in. Yeah, 
And I find it shocking that people don't see value in proper technical documentation, wireframes, and a click-through demo of their app. But sure enough, the three gurus told me, you're insane. No one wants to spend money on that. So how does one manage scope without doing that kind of discovery phase? And the answer, and this is what really disturbs me, the answers I've gotten from the so-called experts is you, you, you make them sign releases and you legally protect yourself with NDAs so they can never complain about you. That doesn't sound like a business that's very fun to run. That does not sound like a good time, right? And Although I have to say my experience running dev shops has been, there's more of that than you'd like to admit, right? Mm. There's, there's more conflict, especially with fixed scope. But where the hell did we go wrong? Because you know what? I remember, you know, late 2000s being, you know, very early 2000s, maybe late, late 90s. Sitting through where somebody did like a two-month documentation phase before any work began in a project. And I'm pretty sure the firm was paid for that. Oh, you know where things went wrong. Oh, you know. Oh, tell me, tell me where. So this is this is see. I don't. This is not me pitching from a soapbox saying I have the answers. Uh-uh. This is the me being totally is, lost. Your like, industry is a victim of a larger uh, social change that happened. It's Reaganomics. No, what it is is that in the two thousands and beyond, really seven, eight, nine years ago, computers became consumer gadgets, okay. and. It no longer uh, it would no longer was the one in one thousand geek one 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 thousand people was a geek that knew how to operate this strange computer often with a text interface. It became something that could go in your pocket. It became something portable. It became something that was Bondi blue, and it became less of a. So here's how I honestly feel, Mike. I honestly feel that plumbers and electricians, their trades are considered. Harder and more specialized than uh, than app developers. I think they're. I think people. I think a lot of times businesses treat those professions with much more respect than they treat the developer or the IT consultant because there is more. There is more mystique place to their skill set because people have no idea how the electricity works in their building. They have no idea how the water works in their building. They don't. They don't know how any of that stuff operates. It's so far beyond them. But in in modern times now, every couple of people in the group thinks that they know how to get the latest app, and they know how to tweet, and they, they know how these things work, and to them it doesn't seem like a big deal. So there's not the same value. It's not placed on the same pedestal. At a social level, it is a cultural thing. We don't place that work at the same level that we place other things, especially like doctors and people that can actually operate on the body and things like oh. that. Now, now oh, yeah, hold on. Yeah, yeah. I would argue yeah. the creation of Uber, the developers of Uber have contributed something to society that is also of equal importance. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't downplay the contributions of developers to society, but we don't reflect upon it that way. We, we look at it as something that is not as important as some of these other esteemed professions it's considered good a good solid work by intelligent people but it's not considered something that is so far beyond the average person that it deserves some sort of respect that we give to perhaps other more higher end esteemed professions okay but okay i mean we are not talking about you know world war one here right (laughs) i just want to say when i'm talking about the distant past it's really not that long ago um, I know, but the transition happened so f- just like the same thing with t- going from conventional communications to to texting, and all the, uh, it all happened in like the last eight years. All right, let's just pick an arbitrary year, right? 
the last time I remember seeing a really good, robust D&D done, I would say is like 2007. Let's just, let's just pick 07, right? As Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. But let's just say that's our arbitrary year to argue based on. What happened between 07 and 16 where people said, nah, we really, we really don't need to know what we're building before you build it. We just, you know, we're going to be, is it agile? Because honestly, this all correlates to the rise of agile, right? Is it that we can just micromanage yeah, I people think, and hope they give us what we want? I think as the technology got commoditized, the the, the industry around oh, it but, but twisted. Chris, if I told you, build me, build me a car, right? If I'm like, Chris, you're awesome, build me, build me an RV. I want, I want Lady Jupiter, let's call her Lady Saturn, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Your step zero would be to figure out what I want and, and draw me up some sort of Absolutely. blueprint, right? Yeah, and you would yeah. charge me for that service. Yeah. Well, how come developers can't do that anymore? Or, or maybe developers in this state can't do it anymore? I, I, I really I, – uh, your analogy is sort of apt because in the, in the tiny home movement, there are people literally think, building their own RVs on the back of trailers, uh, their sheds essentially that can move. And people are taking that on now. It's, it's becoming – it is – what happens, I really believe, is when something when an industry goes mainstream and successful, um, I really think the shift occurs because then the the entire industry that supports it is is adapted now. It is all moved. So I I came from an era where really early on the the programs that we bought to run the the computer systems were just astronomically expensive. Uh, I mean, it wasn't unheard of us to spend two hundred thousand dollars on oh, yeah. licensing software for a year. Oh, Sure. And and that world just – it exists in the enterprise that's still held out there, but in the consumer space or anywhere, people that feel like they kind of understand it, just I don't think it's held. It just it, – that's all crumbled away. Well, what that says to me is that we are likely to get super fragile, super disposable Dixie Cup style software. It seems like, – I do stuff- feel like that's what we have now. Like my issues I was talking right. about with Android earlier, I think is our, our – it feels like software quality has has not gone down. Yeah, not, it, it definitely has not increased with the with the pace and improvements of hardware. Uh, I all around me, I am constantly plagued by bad software in nearly every aspect. Now, I am a hypercritical person who notices lots of little flaws, but I mean in like entertainment stacks, in set top boxes, in embedded systems that manage my generator, in systems here at the studio, in the in the interfaces we use to produce these shows and and the operating systems at every level, things have not progressed the way I would have imagined they would in the 80s and 90s. I, I honestly thought we were on a, on, a, on a solid upswing trajectory, but what ends up happening is priorities change, things get thrown out, things get restarted, people leave, and it, it just seems to be. I mean, I, I mean, it's why the oh, robots will beat us. Who was it? Uh, Mark Andreessen, or maybe I'm misquoting the tribute, but there was a line. Uh, it was a great blog post from about a year and a half, two years ago. They promised us flying cars, instead, we got Twitter. Hmm. Right. And that was the title. Some VC wrote that kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this, but kind of criticizing the startup industry. And, you know, I feel the same way, right? In the nineties, you know, I, I remember watching Stargate and being like, yes, we are going to fight snake people in space. It's going to happen and it's going to be Egyptian and it's going to be great and mm-hmm. horrible at the mm-hmm. same time. Cause if you've ever seen the first season of Stargate, 
some scary snake people. I would say this though, like uh, we are very good at taking what we have today and and saying this is what it'll be like twenty years down the road, and saying so these cars we that drive on the road one day they'll fly and that'll be progress. But those same, but those same things, those same like Back to the Future didn't predict the smartphone, and I don't mean to overplay the smartphone, but it is. I have a Star Trek it, to a degree, yeah. It is rather yeah. remarkable, but they still they still envisioned a separate communicator and a tricorder and a separate uh, camera. Like they didn't quite all put it together. Uh, mm. But my point sure. is, is like it is rather remarkable the level of connectivity we do have now. The the amount of sophistication that we can put in a computer in our pocket. We didn't really foresee this, and it has enabled some pretty great stuff. I would not. I would not. I might give it up for flying cars, but just barely. So can I can I put on my uh, unfilter slash um, Republican hat for a moment? Do I need to uh, fry any bacon or? Uh, we, uh... I don't think you need bacon. I th- I think if you have anything. Oh well, if you have the eagle, <laughs> I mean, if he's on tab, <laughs> pour me a twenty-four ounce. There you go, sir. Uh, you also got a little Megan Kelly for OMG, you. Omg, omg, omg. There you go. Oh, Robert Ailes, whatever his name is. <laughs> Maybe this is a side effect, and I would encourage anyone who's interested to read any modern. Uh, book by any reasonable economist, i.e. not someone crazy liberal or crazy conservative because they're both wrong, about how the post-World War II era was actually a aberration in terms of income growth and innovation. And I mean innovation in not the Silicon Valley. Oh my God, I've innovated by allowing you to upload a gift to Twitter. <laughs> Disruption! Awesome. The innovation of, hey, shithead, now we have color TV. Or, hey, mm. electric cars, right? Like real innovation. Mm-hmm. That period post-World War II was actually an anomaly. It was caused by one country effectively ruling the world. And now that things are changing in a very sad post-colonial way, for the U.S. at least, we're getting down to much smaller concerns, right? You know, it's not we're going to cure cancer anymore. It's we're going to hook up on Tinder because we're awesome and we're from san francisco and new york and we're cool can you tell i don't like startup people can you, are you feeling the or the or san francisco or new york apparently <laughs> I, I really don't like new york or san francisco you know i spent a lot of time in new york for business and paying 17 dollars for a beer gets oh, real geez. old real yeah. fast yeah. right I, like, I i was a straight up yeah. I was a straight up uh, fan of downtown Seattle, and then the pricing. Yeah, it, it's expensive in Seattle too. Hey, uh, I, I have to admit, I like Fisherman's Wharf in San Fran. But do we'll you think go. we should mention your visit to release notes? Speaking of places that people don't like me, so um, Indianapolis. <laughs> well, they like me in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. I, I, me and Donald Trump are fairly popular there. Mm. The general state of Indiana. Mm. <laughs> How far are you flying? Person. How are you getting there? Are you driving? What's your uh, you know, oh, I was geez, you're not, you're, Yeah, that's a long drive, though. Holy crap. Dude, I drove... Get that map back here. Go to central New Jersey, right there, right on the coast. Yeah. No, right to the coast of New Jersey. I want you to drive all the way down to the middle coast of Florida. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You did that? I've you drove that, that? Three times. How, how long was that? Uh, oh, heavy on the metal, I think it was like 14 or 15 hours. Yeah, man. Boy, Straight. I've... Like a champion. Like a... Tr- like, like a true that job. that really is impressive because my longest stretches are like 12 14 hours and that's in an rv where i could pull over for 10 minutes and go make a sandwich no you just poop on the side of the road man like a champion i bring my toilet with me and my poo 
That's true. <laughs> I do. I haul that around. It's, it's heavy it too. To cross state lines with feces. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't make you dump before you cross state lines. You just bring your poo from one state to the other state. Wait, that's not a thing. No? Who was that guy? No. <laughs> So anyway, I will be attending the Release Notes Conference. And for anybody who asks and says I'm crazy, I did actually pay for this ticket. Mm, and it's, uh, it is, uh, geez, it's not cheap. No, I paid uh, more than I wanted to for this ticket. In fact, Re- if I knew anybody, I would have gotten one for free. Release but, Notes uh, 2016 happening September 27th through the 29th uh, in, in Indianapolis. Yeah. So these are, this is a conference for iOS app developers who are trying to make independent businesses. I plan to storm the stage at some point and tell them that is hopeless and the app store economy is dead. And then, uh, like uh, like Alex Jones, as you're being hauled off the stage, just shout, Coder Radio! Coder Radio! Coder Radio! I know exactly the clip you're talking about, too. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> and the Young Turks is just full of shit. Let's just, <laughs> oh, man. That's, they have no viewers. It's that, okay. It was That was a very fun video to watch, though. Uh, so I, I would love yeah. to. I'll love when you get back to hear about it. So that'll be really cool. It'll be neat. So you know, it's a little notes. different kind of. I, in fact, I, I should have said this. On Who the puts air, it on? Do you know? Is it like? A, is it like a company? Yeah, it's um, no. It's the release no show. It's um, I think it's like Manton. It's a bunch of Apple guys. Cool. So like a community yeah. kind of thing. To yeah, a degree, yes, but it 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 does have a lot of. I mean, it's yeah. pretty commercial now. But I mean, it's something that's not put on by like Apple or or like some sort no, of like no, conference. Company. Yeah, it's not a platform vendor or toolkit vendor. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I looked at the. Um, this will be to be fair. This will be my first release notes because the first one that was reasonable for me to travel to. Previously, they didn't have such big sponsors. Now, a lot of big dev shops sponsor them. And you feel like they're going to make it worth that that ticket price? I mean, when the ticket price is that high, there's some expectation that it's going to be a. There's going to be some. A, you know, you want at least double the value, maybe. You know, I I immediately had second thoughts on buying the ticket. Actually, yeah. However, if people not, do go. There's people that are there really want to be there. People are there are passionate, but I don't know that these are people I can sell to, right? Because no, no, I don't think so. But you might, yeah. you might get really yeah. valuable information. I'm hoping the beer is good, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, maybe the food too. <laughs> so I was actually just at DevCon Five in New York too a couple weeks ago that I did not say on the air. Oh yeah, because I was taking meetings and I, you know how I am, Chris, sneaky. But, no, I only went for half the conference. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't want to. Yeah, if you if you don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is true. I sometimes go to things that don't, don't say anything because I don't want. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done that too. I know what you mean, especially when you yeah. just want to get in and out. Yeah. You know, I went to the sessions I wanted to go to, but DevCon Five was right up in New York. It was only an hour train ride, so I, I kind of did something horrible. I went to the sessions I wanted to go to, and then ninja my way out of there. Nice, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, you've you've been to enough of these things. Mm-hmm. The only good conferences are the ones that System76 goes to. Send me that goddamn laptop. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything right. else we should cover on this week's episode of the Coda Radio program? No, I, I mean, I miss the 70s. I wasn't alive, but I missed the 70s. You have the sense, the general sense. I miss the feeling, yeah. the drugs. You know, sure, yeah. sure. Well, we'd like, you know what? We miss you, audience. Send us in your thoughts, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, or go to coderadio.reddit.com. You'll... You'll find a feedback thread. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet at me. That's actually a pretty high probability of getting my response at Chris LAS. Sort of your best chance. And Mr. Dominic, are you are you promoting any Twitter handles this week? 
Oh, yeah, go to uh, Buccaneer Tech and DominicM.com. And, and, and pro tip, that promo is real, $500 D&D. Mm. You get everything you need to get your app or website project or web app, rather, a project started. Get it done right. Check it out, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. And we'll see you right back here next week. Music.